Welcome to BR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR and Education. In today's episode, we focus on 3D learning spaces. As many educators start to contemplate the effectiveness of using virtual spaces, thanks to possibly the sensationalization of the word metaverse, I wanted to take a deeper dive into looking at the efficacy of virtual world creation, and maybe how these learning spaces might be used for teaching. So today on the show, we have Vincent Vandentol. He is founder and CEO of Emidu. With Emidu, everybody can organize inspiring, interactive, and accessible online education using 3D virtual spaces and avatars. So welcome to the show, Vincent. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for inviting me. Great to be here. I always start with an origin story. And in this case, I'm curious, what got you interested in designing a platform and a place for teachers to go for 3D virtual spaces in the first place? Yes. Well, that happened not so long ago, actually, to be honest, although I had some experience early in my life with education. Um, it was in, uh, in 2020. It was a period where I sold a company before where I was making software for people to do more sports. And I was looking to do something new and I really wanted to dive into education. Um, I've not been a teacher full time, but I did some schooling while I was in university. And I always really liked that, especially because it had so many different aspects in how you uh, yeah, teach children, in my case, uh, certain topics and all the ways you can do that. And because I like technology, I also saw that with the COVID restrictions and my kids at home, that there's a lot of improvements that can be, can be made there. Yeah, so I was looking in how to improve that. And uh, first of all, I like video games. So I'm already familiar with that way of interacting. Uh, I see my kids, of course, play video games. And at a certain moment in time, I saw a meeting where somebody uh, came with a solution called Spoke. And that was uh, basically a tool that's part of Mozilla Hubs. It's a virtual platform we also use now, but it's just one of the, the platforms. And that really made a connection with me. Like, hey, this guy was showing us how to make a virtual sort of meeting room or a classroom and with all the opportunities that were there. So I started to research that and to see what people were doing in, in the virtual meeting spaces and interactions, talk to a lot of teachers and other enthusiasts, did some experiments and then slowly over a period of six months, I developed this idea like, hey, we need to make this technology accessible for teachers. And yeah, not only a tool for developers or for enthusiasts, but let's see how we can really make it into something that's also a problem which teachers and schools have now and not uh, only a distant point on the horizon. Let's deal with the why as, you know, the semi-famous Simon Sinek who talks about this all the time, says that often, you know, convincing someone to start something new or change, we start with the why. So we have, you know, teachers in their toolkit have 
websites that they can use, which are mostly 2D. They've dived a little bit probably now into video conferencing with Zoom and Google Meet. Convince a teacher why 3D learning spaces, what would be the benefit to having that in their educational toolkit? First, yeah, first of all, I don't think there's one silver bullet. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I think it's always important to, to re, um, remember ourselves. And it's not that we have one way of doing things uh, in the best way. And virtual spaces are yeah, maybe just another tool, but I think a very important tool that we can add. Um, it's basically all around the problem that you want to solve. And I think also these times um, add different uh, dynamics to that. Of course, we have more remote learning. In some parts of the, parts of the world, we already had that, but uh, uh, due to COVID, more countries and teachers have been uh, experiencing that. But also we have a new generation of people and we have new uh, daily lives in which we are much more uh, interacting with digital devices and online uh, communities and worlds of communication. So I think there's a lot of like a trend there that we need to rethink how to organize this online uh, education. Um, but I think virtual spaces are maybe the first tool that we can really start with um, education in mind and then build experiences or spaces um, that really fit uh, the purpose of what we're doing. For example, Zoom or Teams were built for meetings or for uh, uh, um, office situations, but they were not used for education. That's also why they failed or are very hard to use if you want to apply them to uh, to a classroom, for example. And I think with virtual spaces, we have a toolkit that we can really say, okay, how do we actually want to teach kids in this new world where there's much more remote and online education? And how can we use new ideas or new uh, teaching forms and um, use all these possibilities of technology instead of trying to copy something we do in the physical world and move that online? It's basically what we've been doing until now. Mm. And I would add to that, I think kids appreciate thinking in three dimensions, which your virtual spaces and others out there are allowing kids to do. I think naturally our brain, which is why manipulatives in the physical world, like being able to, in biology, grab a heart and turn it around and see it from all different sides, having a computer in a virtual world that allows students to walk around the object and interrogate it is so much more interesting than not being able to do that in a 2D flat screen perspective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were built with uh, eyes and, and, and ears that can work in a 3D environment. And exactly, I think this, this immersing people into a more contextual space is something that is really important, not only for this heart or for this insect that you want to see but you can also put it some next to something else you can compare the size between uh, an ant and, a, and an elephant for example um, you can show connections between different uh, ecosystems or molecules or other stuff um, but you can also use which was interesting to see when i was doing tests with my kids that um, you have this sort of i don't know the, the word but i think it's a sort of a spatial brain function or something but um, I once saw this uh, documentary about uh, people who could remember things very well, like hundreds of things in a specific order. And they explained they always used a sort of memory palace in which they, in their mind, put 
the objects, for example, for very long grocery list, they put it um, into specific parts of their house. And I think it also works, could work also with, with students. I see that with, with the test we did that it's much easier to remember like, hey, this topic around this, I don't know, this, this war or other history topic was there at the right in the back. So I can go back when I want to uh, read about it again, instead of having a long list uh, on a website with all these topics. So you can also use this well, spatial effect to remember things, to learn things. Well said, Vincent. You know, I browsed uh, your website and it's clear that Amidu has put a huge amount of effort into making it easier for an educator to use your virtual spaces for their curriculum. So tell us more about the systems that you've put in place to make virtual space creation or the utilization of these virtual spaces almost effortless. Yeah, we started with the aspect that yeah, things needs to be easy to use and fun to use. Uh, I also have that for myself. If something is hard to do, then uh, then it's hard to to dive into it and to keep using it, especially if, so, if something is new and I don't, I'm not sure yet if I can use it. So we try to help teachers by offering them templates and standard locations because, well, not everybody, actually a very few people have the time and energy to learn to design in 3D. So we give you standard locations like specific buildings or rooms or outdoor locations that you can reuse and actually add your own content to that. But also templates. So for example, a setup with a breakout room session where you gather in a specific space and you have different locations uh, where your students can work in groups. And we made sure that all the rights for what students can do in one space or the other are already um, done for you. So you can just copy paste and start directly. Um, so that's one thing. And then an important other thing is that we add tools to reuse 2D content. Um, of course, you still have a lot of stuff or documents, presentations, videos, images, that is just 2D. And it's a website or it's a PDF or it's a document. Uh, we don't want to move that all to 3D. That's too much work. So we added features where you can easily drag them into a space and students can watch them as sort of a pop-up and in this way still be in a room or in a virtual location, but work with the things you already have. Not only that, but also, and uh, we talked about this, I think, uh, uh, prior to hopping on this interview is the the beauty of having a library of 3D assets that can, you know, again, back to our point, you know, 3D versus 2D. 3D, as you said, you know, the brain tends to make the learning stickier when all these objects that are placed in this world are three-dimensional. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the library that uh, when I was in there that was available to make or produce 3D objects to enhance the learning was quite immense. Yes, sometimes I forget that because it was it was there already at the beginning. But you're right. We also have a library integration there for for searching uh, 3D objects, and those are objects uh, made by other people and uh, 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 made available through specific uh, Creative Commons licenses, for example. So you can use them in your classroom. Yeah, that's really easy to 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 search uh, and to use. Right? Yeah. And just to add, because I had two more other stuff that, that we added, um, which I think is very important to explain. Um, besides all these tools to add and create content, uh, we also 
try to make it very easy to share your spaces and your creations with other people. I think that's also quite different from most tools uh, that are out there. Uh, we realize that you don't have the time to let every educator, every teacher in your organization do the same stuff. So we want to really help you to share your class, which you created for your group of students, uh, make, make it available for somebody else to use with their group of students, for example. And currently there's over 21 different spaces on there. Do you have one that you would say is uh, incredibly popular or maybe one that you think is a, a favorite amongst the teachers that have used your platform so far? Well, the funny story is actually that most teachers wanted to have a real classroom when we started, or sometimes they ask for it if they start. Like, where's my my typical classroom with 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 mm -hmm. the teacher table and the and the and the benches or the and, and like just something familiar? But that's the worst space you could have, basically, uh, because we did something in the beginning and it didn't work at all because students think, "Hey, this is a three D world. So what am I going to do? I'm going to run around. I'm going to explore." Um, yeah. So so. But we see two kind of spaces. Um, we have teachers that are using uh, Imedu to make more self-learning experiences where students uh, go into the space. The teacher can be there or cannot be there. Uh, and they uh, work on a list of assignments that are placed in, in, that, in that room or in that location. And they tend to use more the, the museum or the gallery kind of locations where there's lots of space to put content on the wall or objects in the room. Um, yeah, to set sort of a journey for the students to walk through. Um, but recently, we also see more teachers using a specific themed location. So we have an island, which is really popular for all kinds of nature and, and communication uh, sort of classes. Uh, on the water world, which was recently added, is really popular. And yeah, following that line, we'll be adding more in that category, uh, starting with the space station and the moon base. So more locations for yeah, really getting into a location that fits your topic it makes it easier to explain things. You mentioned this earlier where teachers are, it's a super busy profession. They wear so many hats. And so sometimes, you know, change or starting something new is a bit overwhelming. So if I'm a teacher and I want to get started in Imidu, where do you suggest they start? Like where's sort of step one for them? Um, I, I, if I was a teacher, I have to give you advice. I would say think a bit about your problem first, um, because what? Why do you want to use three D spaces? What thing are you going to? What, what are you actually trying to solve? Do you have a class that's not motivated, or do you want to try new uh, forms of teaching, or do you want to give your students experiences that they can't have? I think that's very important to write down for yourself. And then explore uh, all the different platforms there are, uh, like ours, but you also have uh, tools like Frame or Engage. Uh, some need a headset, some don't. I think it's very important if you then understand why you're using it for, because it also tells you if you uh, can use a headset or not, for example. And most important part is to, to get an account uh, and play around. Uh, there are communities out there, uh, educators in VR, uh, I think Hubs as a community, probably Frame also. So try to find these communities, talk to other teachers. Um, yeah, and, 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 and test. I think that's the most important thing. You need to build worlds, so you need to understand. It's not. It's more like an art maybe than a, 
in the science sometimes. So I would say uh, start small, involve your colleagues, involve your students. I think they understand perfectly if things are go not going well. Students, in my experience with all the teachers I work with, always like to do an experiment. Uh, they give pretty good feedback on what worked and what didn't. And I think that's the best way to do to do this teacher. So don't be afraid to fail. And maybe sometimes teachers are a bit afraid to present something to their class or student that doesn't work. But I think I never seen it going wrong actually. So as long as you be open and and fair about making this next experiment. Vincent, really good advice and, and actually quite humbling because you mentioned uh, other platforms out there, uh, not identical to yours, but similar. For example, you mentioned frame.io. What makes you guys slightly different than some of the other ones? Mozilla Hubs was the other one you mentioned. And so how is Emidu uh, unique compared to maybe those other platforms? Actually, we use Mozilla Hubs, only an, an adjusted version, so sort of an open source component, which we uh, improved. But um, yeah, I think we're not only a toolkit for virtual worlds. That's not how we see it. We see it more as a as a solution for educators and teachers. And I think the other platforms are more like generic toolkits for everybody that wants to create virtual worlds. So that's why we also added the backend application where you actually manage all your spaces shared with your colleagues, where you manage all your content uh, that you have, where you can schedule classes and get a invite code like you would get with Teams or, or Google Meet. So all these kind of familiar things, which are typically not in the other platforms because yeah, they try to do everything. Um, that's what we think is very important to make it usable. Um, also, we maybe trimmed down, but also extended the virtual world a bit. So yeah, we added features that are specifically for education. So you can block the chat, for example, uh, if you're dealing with younger kids, it's very important, as you can understand. Um, yeah, so all these, just like this focus on education, this backend application that we give you to use it in your organization. Um, yeah, and help you also with special tools and content. So we're adding now more gamification content. So that's really sort of building blocks where you can help your students to complete a specific learning task or an experience like they would more or less do with a game, for example. So we also try to use lessons from this uh, yeah, gaming sector to see how we can use that to let a students finish maybe for a boring task, but make it much more interesting and motivating to do. Yeah, one of the things, because I have used Frame and mm -hmm. uh, the generic hubs, and one of the things that uh, struck me was just there there wasn't as much support for educators, whereas when I tried your platform, you know, when I got in there and I created a space, you've obviously created it with educators in mind because you've got a spot to leave instructions, you've got a little... Uh, set up there kind of like a pull-down menu where you can give specific tasks for students when they're in there on their own or asynchronously. You've got a little spot to put the curriculum objectives. All that, I think, teachers, as you alluded to, don't have a ton of time. So having spaces there where teachers have to automatically think about those things when they're using this space is one benefit I've found as an educator that is sort of above and beyond what you would find in Frame or Mozilla Hubs in general. So I, I applaud you guys for sort of setting those systems in place 
because that's how teachers think. They're, of course, instructional designers, but they wear so many other hats. So kudos to you for doing that. Thanks. Yeah, and I think in the end, that's basically what I learned a bit about my previous company. I mean, especially if you're coming from a product or technology side, which like the phase in which 3D is now at the moment is really much governed by technology people. Um, you tend to think that it's all about the best features or the greatest effects, or can we just make things look more natural? But in the end, you're solving a problem and the solving that we want to solve is in education. So we need to find problems uh, that, 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 that we actually solve very easily for you. Um, and not the other way around. It's not that the educator has to look for, for ways to use this 3D technology to make it of any use. Yeah? So we need to think, okay, what is your daily situation? Where do you run into? And how can we make it easier? And I think that's the only way to do that is to choose for that specific group of users in our, in our education. But I can imagine that there will be more companies that focus on a specific sector. And let's say, okay, we're going to make this toolkit, this generic toolkit, um, into something that people really want to use and they can forget about the technology and just work on their problems. Yeah, and some of those outcomes that teachers struggle with, myself included, is in today's day and age, kids are what we might call digital natives, which means they grow up with technology in their hands. They're so used to sort of interacting with stuff. And so to, to try and emulate that and make the curriculum more engaging. We need to make our activities that kids lean into content more interactive. And I know you guys are offering examples and, and putting out sort of literature to say, you know, here's some interactive ways to make those hard to teach ideas or those hard to teach curriculum way more engaging for kids using Imidu as a platform to do that. And so again, that's where some teachers have stumbling blocks is, okay, I, I get it. I need to be sort of more in the 21st century, but how do I do that? And uh, again, you've done an amazing job of trying to articulate that it's about where are the stumbling blocks in delivering content. And it's usually, as I said before, trying to take something that might be a bit mundane and boring and make it way more interesting and interactive. And Amidu can do that. And you're, again, you're sort of trumpeting examples of that with some of your spaces and literature that you're putting out there. Yeah, I was always fascinating, fascinated by my kids being able to spend literally days in Minecraft or other games, <laughs> even doing boring stuff. They didn't even like it, they told me, but they just wanted to get this done because they needed to to get to another level or something. And I think, like, hey, this is so much more engaging and, and, and these kind of platforms are so much better in, in learning my, my kids something than the situation, which is not a comparison, of course, but where they have to watch a video online which is really boring and there's no, no actually no reward or no um, incentive for them to keep watching it. So, yeah, but I also understand that teachers are teachers uh, and they're not game designers. And, and we also don't need to, we should not make games, but we should try to look at the best way to, to train and teach people in an online setting. And uh, yeah, so I think if we from a technology side can bring those uh, experiences and those um, uh, tools into the game, 
we also need people from the educational side to tell us how to use it or if if we should use it or if there's something we shouldn't use. And I think that cooperation is really important that these two groups of people start working together and uh, yeah, and, and build that together. So we know, don't have an educate. Uh, sorry, we don't have a tech sector building the next next schools, for example. That would be horrible. Um, <laughs> but I think the school or the education sector needs the tech sector to improve. So yeah, that, that's an important cooperation. You mentioned that there are spaces like Frame.io, Mozilla Hubs, and Imidu that could or can run inside VR headsets. Tell us a bit more about, you've turned that feature off in Imidu and uh, it's not available right now. Talk about that and why you decided not to release that ability or option yet. It, it was uh, a choice we made for making a better product, I think, for the state we are in now. Um, first of all, we wanted to make sure that everybody could use it. So if you say we're going to work with headsets, then you always have to be relying on on a, on a school or a situation where there are headsets available. And secondly, only a few people can probably wear those at the same time. So that is a completely different uh, application for it. And if you use a browser, which you can even use on your phone or tablet or laptop, then everybody uh, in class can usually uh, yeah, participate in a class or can even do it at home. So that, that it increases the reach and applicability with a yeah a huge um, a huge amount. Um, secondly, also VR is not really supporting two D content. So if you have existing websites or PDFs or images or presentations, it's pretty hard to put them into VR. Um, and secondly, yeah, I mean we always a good example. Sometimes like our computer screens are not so bad. I mean, not everything has to be in 3D. For example, it's very efficient to have a calendar on my desktop. Uh, I'm not sure if I would be happier with a 3D calendar to arrange my meetings, for example. Um, sometimes we just want to send a, a small chat message and not uh, speak or talk to everybody about all the small things. So I think your your computer or your phone allows you to really use the 3D world for the things that um, you want to use it. But if you have a headset on, everything has to be in 3D. You have to make notes in 3D. You have to operate maybe windows or screens or other things in 3D. And not all of these things are really useful. So I think at this stage uh, in time, um, I think you can have a much bigger effect with building more like game-like environments on a computer or a, or a mobile phone than going into full uh, VR Yeah, for classes. Vincent, I think you guys have a really good business model. And the reason I say that is because of the amazing support backend and otherwise that you're providing for teachers so that they can get started so easily. But good businesses are constantly evolving. They're obviously iterating. So what are some things you're doing in 2022 that educators can be excited about as you start to grow and iterate? Three things we we have, I would say. Um, more templates and example content. Um, because as we already said, it's important that you can start pretty quickly. And the more ready-made um, uh, worlds and 
and lesson plans we can already provide, the more value we will bring for educators to, uh, to use it. So that's one thing we will work on. Um, secondly, more yeah, gamification or interaction features. So there's already a lot that you can do in our spaces. You can walk around, you can open documents, you can click on buttons, you can talk to each other, you can pick up things, but we want to make these worlds more interactive and more exciting. So also to give the students more feedback when they do something or go somewhere. So those are things we're going to add. And what we also think is very important is to have more partnerships with institutes, Mozilla, NGOs, or other organizations. Because how great is it if, if you could just log into Imedu and find a whole collection of uh, classes you could do with your students as a sort of virtual school trip to a museum or um, maybe learn something from NASA or um, yeah, all these parties have great content and also want to reach out to uh, younger or older students. And if we can help them with uh, yeah, bringing their content in a much more immersive and engaging way, that is also a great opportunity for yeah, for, for teachers to to uh, to help their students and to to make more engaging classes. And it's not even even just schools. Like you mentioned one time that uh, you know you have a scuba diving club that's using it. How are they using your platform? Yeah, well, yeah, we're talking with parties like that. So that uh, if you want to inform um, kids about scuba diving, for example, you can uh, you can of course send them a flyer or you can send them a video. But you can also invite them in on a water world where you can uh, swim with them or virtually swim with them and uh, and look at fishes and describe them or maybe do some training with hand, hand symbols or explain how diving works. Um, yeah, so th th they also see this as a great platform to... Um, yeah, so in, in the whole package of telling about scuba diving, this can have a great part in, uh, in, in learning how to do that and informing people. And um, yeah, so, and if we can bring those classes to schools and to other people that want to learn scuba diving in this case, that's a great way to do it. When I heard that story, I couldn't help but think of growing up as a kid, I took uh, Cubs and Scouts and I thought to myself, you know, if I ran a, a Cubs and Scouts group now, you know, I would be thinking about and maybe using a platform like you, yours to enhance even my engagement with uh young boys in Cubs and Scouts. And then, of course, there's also the uh, sister club, which is Girl Guides. Yeah. I think in any situation where you have groups of people, of students, you want to learn something. We also get a lot of uh, requests from companies, actually. We're looking at how to do that, but they also want to have training spaces or rooms. So I think there are lots of scenarios here um, that you can use. At the same time, we really want to stick to to education, because uh, again, otherwise we're becoming this generic toolkit, which we don't want to be. But um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not only schools, um, although it's, it's, it's usually how we describe it, but any kind of organization that wants to, uh, yeah, is in a learning setting with, with people or kids or even adults, I would say. Vincent, is there anything left that maybe we haven't talked about that you think the audience might want to hear about your platform? Um, I would, yeah, maybe repeat a bit that uh, please cooperate. I think that's the most important part here. Um, I think in the whole world of, of, of the metaverse or the online world, 
um, it's important that we all try to uh, experiment with it and share our experiences because we're building something new and it's it's coming anyway. So if we want to have any influence in how, how it's going to look like, we should all try to uh, participate in there. So for example, I see some some universities or school educators waiting for for companies to come with a solution, but I think yeah, they should actually try to work with those companies and solutions. And I also see companies not jumping into education, for example, because they think there's no market there because it's so slow. But no, you should actually go to this university or school and work together. I think, yeah, that that's an important thing that could still, um, yeah, be a bit better is this cooperation between those two parties. And that also means that somebody needs to invest time on both sides. We need to accept failure because we're not going to build something that works uh, right out of the way. And we hope to contribute with that by making it easy to, to start. But yeah, please cooperate and experiment. Don't be afraid to fail. And uh, yeah, let, let, let's, let's share our experiences. I think that's the most important part. Well said. If people want to get a hold of you or maybe learn more about how they might get started with Emidu, how do they do that, Vincent? Uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Vincent van den Tol, or look at Amidu, or um, maybe best to send me an email at vincent at amidu.io. It's I-M-E-D-U dot I-O. Listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show to share with educators how to make 3D design a lot easier, as I... Uh, <laughs> say many times on this show, uh, being a teacher nowadays especially is no easy feat and we're sort of bombarded with so many different things that sometimes innovating and sort of figuring and navigating the landscape of new technology is never easy and you guys have definitely lowered the bar for that. So thank you so much and keep up the great work, Vincent. Thanks. Happy to contribute and uh, thank you very much again for, uh, for uh, the questions and uh, the great show. Awesome. Bye for now. Okay. Bye-bye.